Mark chapter 14, verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he, Peter, spoke more vehemently, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said, likewise. Now go down to verse 54. Verse 54. This is after Jesus had been seized, arrested, and was um, being taken away to the court of the high priest. Verse 54 says, But Peter followed him, Jesus, at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat down with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now go down to verse 66. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know you, rather, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed, and the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he, Peter, denied it again, and a little later, a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows you it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed, then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Father, speak to our hearts today, Lord. Speak to our hearts today, Lord. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord. Father, we open our hearts before you because what happens, Lord, when we open our hearts before you, you, uh, you get down into the depths, Lord. Even as we're hearing right now and we cry out, Lord, we want that place of freedom. We want that place of freedom where our hearts are open, our hearts are broken, our hearts reach out. And Lord, as we will see by the end of the night, that's when we're most useful to you. That's when we glorify your name. That's when we are strongest. Your word says that when we are weak, 
we are strong in Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. So last week, we were in verse, verses 10 through 25. It's the account of the Last Supper. You could call it the First Communion. Uh, the account of the Last uh, Supper, the First Communion, uh, it's, it's the same night as the, before the crucifixion of Jesus. The disciples arrive at the upper room. As we read, not only from the book of Mark, but also from Matthew, Luke, and John, uh, the picture that many of us have of the Last Supper. This is the picture that we have. We, we have a, a picture in our mind for many years, um, just reading it, uh, uh, that it's like this, the disciples are on their best behavior, uh, there's very little talking going on, everyone's sort of sitting up in their seats, taking their communion, you know, like, kind of like this, you know. You know, kind of, you, you, this type of deal. That we have that kind of religious kind of view of, of how uh, that went down. Um, but that's not what happened at all. That's what we saw, okay? <laughs> we saw that, right? It would, there was a night just packed with emotional intensity. Uh, from the book of John, we, we saw Jesus at the outset of the night. Uh, he, he arises, he takes off his outer garment, his robes, he has a loincloth on or whatever, and he washes the feet of the disciples. Now, one of the disciples should have done that. But Jesus declares that he was the uh, chief among us is the servant of all. And so that's what he did. It's just this extraordinary scene of the, the Son of God washing sweaty, grimy, dirty feet. That's how it starts off. And then we see, um, saw Jesus, uh, he's sitting down to dinner. He's distressed. He's uh, overcome by emotion. And, and, and he declares, one of you here, one of you whom I love, who I'm eating bread with, is going to betray me. And then we saw from the book of Luke just um, an outpouring of love. And he says in Luke chapter 22, it, it, it's just with great desire that I have desired to, to be here sharing this meal with you. And then we saw Jesus uh, Offering the bread, take, eat, this is my body. And they shared the bread, and he offers the cup. This is, the, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. They share the cup. And then a little while later, an argument breaks out among the disciples, who is the greatest? I mean, this, this was like a, 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 just packed with real intense 
uh, emotion, spiritually, there's demonic stuff going on. We know from the book of, uh, of John where it says a demon entered Jesus, rather a demon entered Judas, and, 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 and so it, it's just really an intense thing that we saw. Our traditional views of the Last Supper shattered. Um, so it's, that's where we pick up this morning. Uh, the last thing that happens is that it says in verse 26, when they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. So they sung a hymn. We like to, I remember when our church began, we, we sang at the beginning of the service, and then someone came up to me, hey, why don't we sing at the end of the service? So don't think we knew anything about church when we started the church. I mean, it was a long time ago, but, uh, but we learned as we went along. It's a wonderful thing to end a service with a, a, a worship song, and that's what they did. Uh, they end with a hymn. And they go to the Mount of Olives. So they leave Jerusalem proper. They go to the Mount of Olives, which is right in front of Jerusalem, sort of looking over it. They're not yet at the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would would pray with sweat drops, uh, like drops of blood, and he would be arrested. They're not there yet. And at some point between leaving the upper room where uh, the Last Supper was and the Garden of Gethsemane, they are on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus says um, here in verse 27, he says, read along with me. He says, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. All of you will be made to stumble. In the Greek, it means to fall away. It means to abandon. All all of you will abandon me tonight. So Jesus says this. And then it says, For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He says, all of you are going to abandon me because Scripture says, the prophet said many years ago, or four or five hundred years ago actually, the prophet Zechariah prophesied, the Old Testament prophet, he said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. The I in that verse, I will strike the, the shepherd, that's God the Father. The shepherd is God the Son. So I, God the Father, will strike the shepherd who is God the Son. Remember, 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 remember. So important. The Bible teaches that really supremely, it wasn't the Romans killing Jesus. It wasn't the Jews. It was God himself, Father himself. It says he bruised him. He struck him. The Bible says that God so loved the world, he so loved you. That he didn't just let you die in your sins. He sent his only son into the world and offered his son as a sacrifice to purchase you back. To get you. And that's why it says here in verse 27, God the Father will strike the shepherd, God the Son, and the sheep will be scattered. The disciples are going to take off. That's what Jesus is saying. You guys are all going to abandon me tonight. And they will. Before we get there, it says verse 20, 
8. But after I have been raised, speaking of his resurrection, after he dies, after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, even if everyone else leaves you, I will not. Verse 30, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter spoke more vehemently. He says, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said, Likewise. So Peter says, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. You know what that sounds like? I'll never do drugs again. I'll never commit sexual immorality again. I'll never cheat on my wife. I'll never cheat on my husband. Ever, ever again. I'll never lie, cheat, or steal. I got Jesus in my heart now. None of that stuff's going to happen to me. I'll never deny Christ. Oh, yes, you're in a dangerous place when you talk like that and when I do. Ephesians 4.27 says this, do not give place to who? To the devil. Ephesians 4 verse 27 says, do not give place to the devil. Meaning, don't say or do something that is just going to give the devil an opportunity to crush you. Don't give place to the devil. The most dangerous place to be in is when you give place to the devil. And I will tell you from personal experience, pride is that place. When you're in that place of pride, you're in the most dangerous place. That's why Proverbs says pride comes before destruction and says pride comes before shame. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says this, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, be really careful, lest he fall. Again, I'll never cheat on my wife. Me? No. I'm too spiritual to do that. I'll never get violent again. I'll never fall asleep again when I'm reading my Bible. I love God too much. Now, is that you being led 
by the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit talking when you talk like that. Or is that your pride talking? When you're led by pride, you have opened yourself up to the demonic world. At this point in the book of Luke, right after Peter declared, I'll never fall away, never, 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 the book of Luke says that Jesus turns to him and says this, Simon, Simon, remember he, Peter's got two names, birth name Simon, also Peter. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. So wheat, when it goes through the threshing process, meaning where um, the part of the wheat you can eat, the kernel, is separated from the part of the wheat you cannot eat, uh, part of the process, at least in, at this time, um, where Jesus is talking, uh, part of the process is the wheat is put in a strainer and was just shaken violently to get the dirt out, to get the dirt off the wheat. And when you're in a place of pride and you're a child of God, man, you're going to go through a violent shaking. You're in for a violent shaking process. This summer at the elders retreat, you can pray for the elders. Reading this book by Stuart Scott from Pride to Humility. Now, after this is all over, Peter's going to know this. He, he becomes an expert in spiritual warfare. He's going to be restored. He's going to fall, rather. He's going to fall on his face. He's going to be restored by Jesus. And he's going to do great things for Jesus. And he's going to write a couple books. And one of those books is 1 Peter, where he says this in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, verse 5, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the face, rather steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God and, and the God of grace who called us to his eternal Christ, to uh, his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a, a little while, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So he, he writes that with experience after the fact.
Again, Luke chapter, you can have that one more time, Heather. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Notice he doesn't say, I won't let Satan do that. I'm not going to let Satan violently shake you. He doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't promise that. That's why when someone's in spiritual warfare, I, I personally don't ask that they're taken out of it. I just ask, Lord, strengthen, strengthen his faith, strengthen her faith. But then it says here, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Help your brothers, help your sisters. So back now in Mark chapter 14, let's continue. So I'm not going to read them, but in verses 32 to 36, Jesus and the 12 apostles, they arrive at the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus goes off to pray. Jesus takes with him to a more secluded place, Peter, James, and John. He asks them to stay awake and pray as he prayed by himself a little farther away. Jesus returns, finds Peter, James, and John sleeping, and he says to them in uh, verse 38, pray lest you enter into temptation. Pray, be careful, pray. Heads up, guys, pray. Pray. Pray, lest you enter into temptation. And Peter's going to be hitting temptation really hard. But he falls asleep. Again. says then in Jesus, they come for him, they get him, they arrest him, they take him away. Verse 54, read that with me. It says, but Peter followed him, Jesus, at a distance, uh, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself. So Jesus gets hauled away to the high priest's house where they're going to put him sort of on a religious trial. Peter follows him, gets into the house, gets into the courtyard. Sure, I can handle this. After all, I'm Peter. I'm the greatest. I can handle this. I can handle being in enemy territory. He's the guy who, he led me up to the Mount of Transfiguration. He left most of the other disciples behind. I'm the guy when, remember, Jesus raised that little girl from the dead. He took me into the room with him. I'm the guy even at, at the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he, he takes me, leaves the others behind. I can handle this temptation. I'm Peter. I'm Steve. I'm Pastor Steve. I can handle this temptation. Oh man. God, please pray I don't talk like that. No more. I have. Because of the place of pride here, 
And this is like him going into the courtyard. There, there, they, there's a fire there, and Bible scholars say there's officers there who had just arrested him, and they're hanging out. Remember, these are people mocking him. It's like an alcoholic with a wallet filled with cash walking into a bar that thinking he's not going to drink. Listen, Calvary Chapel, this is what pride does to you. Ever hear that expression, drunk with pride? That's what pride does to you. Makes you drunk. It severely impairs your judgment. The difficult part is pride blinds you. But if you have a brother or sister tell you you have pride, you better listen up. He walks into the high priest's courtyard. He no doubt looks like a Galilean, walks like a Galilean, talks like a Galilean. You know people from California. They look like a Californian. They walk like someone from California, and they talk like someone from California. And do you think that Peter here, in the state he is in, he's going to be able, with just the pride, that he's going to boldly be able to, to, to affirm his commitment to Jesus Christ? It's never going to happen. So let's continue. And so in verses 55 through 65, they have this religious trial. Jesus is condemned to death. Verse 64 says he's condemned to death. And then we get to verse 66. Let's read this. It says, Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again, and a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. And then he began to curse and swear. I swear to God, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time, the rooster crowed. By the way, the gospel accounts all from different perspectives. One account talks about one, the, the rooster crowing once, another twice, here twice. You put them all together. Though they're through different people's eyes, it's the same story. I swear to God, I do not know this man of whom you speak. 
then the second time the rooster crowed, the ma- Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. The book of Luke adds this, and the Lord turned. So right at that moment, probably because he was at this point yelling, Peter was yelling, and it says the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So they're all, they're close together. Matthew says this. It says, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. Mark again, back here in verse 72 at the very end, it says, and when he thought about what just happened, listening to the um, rooster crow, it says he wept, and, and I understand in the Greek, um, the idea is that he, that he wept and he wept and he wept. He denied Jesus three times. You know, there are certain times in your life, in our lives, where you do something. Or God just speaks to your heart about who you really are. And then all of a sudden you know, There's nothing in the world, nothing at all, that I can do to make up for what I just did. Or God just gives you full view into your heart, just the depths there. In the bottom of your heart, there's just stuff down there that ain't good. And you realize there is nothing I can do to make up or to pay God back or to to do something about what that thing that is deep in my heart. And you realize that God and God alone can save you. It's the best possible moment you could ever arrive in in a human lifetime. This side of eternity. There's a famous hymn. It's called Rock of Ages. And it was written by uh, a guy named Augustus Toplady. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. But man, that dude was filled, you can keep it down for for a second, thank you Heather, this guy Augustus Toplady, this dude was filled with the Holy Spirit when he wrote this song, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let my hide myself in thee, and the song is about among other things, there's a, a verse in the song, or is it a stanza? 
stanza in the song, of what happens in the human heart when all of a sudden they get it. They get it. You get it. If God does not save me, if he doesn't save me, if, 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 I'm ho- I have no hope. If he doesn't save me, save from what? I, save from hell, save from judgment, a, a judgment that I completely deserve, the judgment that Jesus talked about and that he talked about more than anyone in the Bible, a judgment, an eternal judgment. If God doesn't save me, I am done. I'm doomed. I'm finished. There's nothing I can do to make up for this heart that I have, for that thing that I did. That's where Peter is right now. That's where he's at. Now, the song's a little difficult to understand because it was written in the 1700s. I'm going to put it up, though. I'll help interpret it. And so again, after realizing there's no way to make up for our sin in a thousand lifetimes, you can't do it, this is what he writes, Augustus Toplady. He says, could my zeal no respite? No. And what that means is, I don't care how much zeal I have, how much, en- uh, how much energy, and even if I never rest and try as hard as I can for the rest of my life, I'm done if God doesn't save me. Could my zeal no respite? No. Could my tears forever flow? In other words, Peter, it says he cried and cried and cried and cried. It doesn't matter how much you cry after, after rejecting God or, or letting God uh, uh, down or, or denying him three times after he's been the, the God, that, the perfect God that he has been uh, to you. You cannot restore yourself. It doesn't matter how many tears. It doesn't matter how sincere they are. That's not going to purchase your salvation. All for sin could not atone, meaning I can cry all I want. First verse here, all the zeal, all the energy, even without rest, it's not going to atone for my sin. It's not, I can't pay back for what I've done. I've, I'm done before the Lord. Thank God for the last verse, thou must save and thou alone, meaning only you, God, can save me and you alone. About 13 or 14 of us were down in Philadelphia a couple months ago, and we had 1,200 men just screaming out at the top of their lungs this song. Just a glorious, glorious, glorious thing. When you hear that many men saying, thou must save and thou alone. That's where Peter has gotten here in Mark chapter 14. You know, I don't plan these the sermons with the worship leader. I don't, <laughs> Dan, I don't, we don't, hey, here's what I'm talking about. Can you sing a song about this tomorrow? We don't do this. Or can you like mention something, you know, in between songs? I, I, we don't do that. But right here in my notes, I have the same thing he talked about. So Matthew 18. Peter and the disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee in the boat at night.
A storm comes up. The waves are just mauling the boat. They're filled with fear. Jesus is not with them. Yet. He comes out of the night into their vision. He's walking on water. He's walking on water, and, um, and, and Peter uh, sees him and says, Lord, if you will, call me, call me to you. And Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking. And his eyes are fixed on Jesus. But then it says he notices the waves. He starts looking at them and he sinks. And at that moment, it says that Jesus got Peter up, saved him, and got him into the boat. And then the, the storm was calmed. And here in Mark 14, he pays Jesus back by denying him three times. All he ever had seen from the Lord was perfect love. That's it. Jesus had been loving towards Peter 100% of the time for three years. And he denies him three times. Now, so important that you understand that if the truth is told, believe it or not, he is now stronger Peter is than he's ever been before. He's usable now. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's when you start being fruitful in the kingdom of heaven, when you get it like this. When you understand that God saves and God alone. 